Hallelujah. Well, it's a joy to be with you once again in this great church and uh, with your uh, great pastors, Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Kim, and all the leadership here. Yeah, give me a big hand. And it's a privilege to have my father in the faith here. Come here. Give me a microphone. You always got something cooking inside you, sir. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. <laughs> I have always things bubbling up in my spirit. And uh, usually the Lord's talking to me, but I believe he's talking to others. You may be seated. Go ahead. And um, that prophetic word, uh, Brother Philip, I believe is a prophetic word, not just for this church, but for the kingdom of God. The revelation of who we are in Christ, and as all creation has been waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. And many times I've asked the Lord, what does that really mean? And it's the revelation of who we are in Jesus in Christ beginning to manifest his life and his glory through us. Once we have the revelation of Christ lives in us, then if we believe that, we will begin to manifest that. And that manifestation of the sons and daughters of God is really Christ multiplying his works in the earth. He said, the works that I do, you will do, and greater works than these. And I believe, Pastor Philip, that this is the hour that God's going to begin to multiply and magnify his presence in the earth with signs, wonders, and miracles. Mm. And it's not just for the fivefold ministry, but the fivefold ministry is there for teach the believers how to do the work of the ministry also. Hello. Mm. And so this is why I believe that God's going to begin to multiply uh, his miracles in the earth. Now, this is the word of the Lord that I'm getting. I'm getting as God begins to multiply miracles through you in the checkout line at the grocery store, uh, standing on the corner at the bus stop, uh, going to uh, the pharmacy, wherever you are, you are Christ's body in the earth. And you have Christ. Not too long ago, I experienced uh, the wonderfulness and the glory of God. And he began to reveal to me in the middle of the night his one, some of his wonderfulness. And all I could do was just scream glory, glory with every ounce of my being, not loud, but in my heart. And it just got stronger and stronger and stronger. The wonderfulness, the glory of Christ. And he wants to manifest his glory through you. And that's the manifestation. And so what I'm seeing is that as, as the curse and darkness came upon the earth through sin, we're here now in Christ to break that curse of darkness and to release the light and the glory of Christ. We're here to release mankind out from under the curse and bring them into all those blessings. But it's going to require you, the maturing believer, to begin to manifest Jesus. As we feed on that manna from heaven, praise God. As we take communion, that broken body of Jesus. As we put the blood over the doorpost of our lives. 
Did not God bring the children of Israel forth with silver and gold and there was not one feeble person among them? After they had communion, after they partook of the lamb, after the blood was over the doorpost of their house, that's when God began to deliver them and the wealth of the sinner began to be transferred into the hands of the righteous. Hallelujah. God's going to wake you up in the middle of the night and give you an idea. God's going to wake you up in the middle of the night and tell you to go to that store over there and you rent that storefront because the sinner is going to leave it behind because of fear, but the righteous are going to possess it because of faith. The sinner can't see like we see. They see destruction, defeat, sickness, disease, poverty, and lack. We don't see destruction. We see victory. We see conquering. We see possessing. We see prosperity. We see divine health. We see life through opportunities. Where the world sees no opportunity, we seize and seize the opportunities. Amen. So the Lord spoke to Moses and told him that he was going to begin to multiply his glory and multiply his signs and wonders and told him to use what he had in his hand, that miracle rod. And when he began to use that miracle rod, as you know, the waters parted, God began to confirm his greatness, the great I am, with signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm seeing, I'm seeing the release, the believer, breaking darkness off of mankind. Now... During the signs and wonders, Pharaoh's heart became more hardened. There's a divine separation from the believer and the unbeliever going on in the earth right now. Mm. Light is being separated from darkness. Pharaoh's heart in life is being hardened. You're going to see hardening of people's hearts against the gospel and against Christ. With release of divine prosperity and manifestation of Jesus through you in the earth, there will be a hardening of the unbelievers' hearts. Hello, but there will be bringing, there will be persecution, and so you need to realize walking in the fullness of Christ brings persecution. All those that live godlike in Christ shall have persecution. So when you begin to receive some persecution. Maybe in your own home, maybe in your own family. Just know that the Lord is working through you. Amen. And you stand strong in Christ because this is the day that God's going to multiply his miracles through us. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, sir. Hallelujah. That's a good word right there. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, that's just been a wonderful time already, hasn't it? I was thinking, man, I need to bring the RVN band down here and have that backup choir. We'll, we'll make us an album. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, guys. That's good. That's good. That's good. Wonderful. Uh, the message today is R-rated. It's for adult only, mature audiences only. There's going to be adult language in it. In other words, this is not for baby Christians. It's R-rated. It's not PG. Poverty garbage. This is R-rated for the rich. <laughs> Do I have anybody that qualifies? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, 
the next time Mama Alberta says she wants to go to St. Pete for her birthday, I'm going to suggest Puerto Rico. <laughs> I can take her anywhere in the world, but they got them goofy regulations going on. But she likes being here. I do too. Except, you know, this is the year of the turnaround. I mean, the Buccaneers ain't going to be on TV today. But the Bengals are. Just say it's a turnaround. 31 years y'all been dominating. Okay, you can go home now. That's the word I had for you. Open your Bibles to Luke 17 and turn me down just a little bit in this microphone so I can shout later on. Luke 17. We're going to get into some stuff. Luke 17. Let me know when you're there by saying hallelujah. hallelujah. Verse 1, Then said he, Jesus, unto his disciples, It is impossible but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast in the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves, if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles were exhausted after all that forgiveness teaching. <laughs> and said unto the Lord, increase our faith. I want to give you a faith shot slash tear down a sacred cow that's going to uh, get you in right alignment with heaven. So many people are begging God and pleading with God and, and trying to cut deals with God to get something from God, right? But when you understand he's a covenant God and that we are covenant people and you really understand covenant, and, and I'll get into more of that here in a moment, but I want to back up to verse 1. Notice he says, then. So something happened in the previous chapter that he would turn to his disciples and say it's impossible that offenses would come. So let's back up. i got to turn the page back here. And let's just jump in here at verse number 13. No servant can serve two masters. 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Mammon. That Babylonian system. Now watch this. And the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things and they derided him. What's happening? They're being offended. They're being offended. Now see, when, when, when God brings truth to you, the Bible says those that receive a hundredfold they receive it because they receive the seed on, in a good and honest heart. You know, don't, don't lie against the truth. Truth is not to, to harm you, it's to set you free, debt-free, living in abundance, paymasters of the gospel, right? And so the Pharisees are hearing Jesus teach, and what he's teaching is convicting them, and instead of letting the conviction help them, they deride him. They're, they're becoming offended. Now watch. Verse 15, And he said unto them, You are they which justify yourselves before men. Now he's, now he's cutting. But God knows your hearts. You can act like all that out here, but God knows what's in your heart. Come on now. For that which is highly esteemed among men is total opposite with God. It's an abomination with God, right? The law and the prophets, remember this, the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets were until John. But since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presses into it. Now the Pharisees are listening to this. And the disciples are listening to this. Understand the audience here, right? Verse 17, it's easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. Now, where does this next verse come from? Why does God start talking about, or Jesus start talking about adultery? You know when you're preaching, sometimes you go down these little bunny trails and you don't really know why, but there's somebody out there that needs to hear it. You understand? Jesus is going down a little bunny trail, but he knows why. <laughs> right? I mean, he's talking, he's talking about other things, and all of a sudden he throws this one verse in here. Right? Now watch this. Whosoever puts away his wife and marries another commits adultery, and whosoever marries her that's put away from her husband commits adultery. And then he just stops. He just mentions that. He just throws it out there. They're already mad. <laughs> They're already upset. Right? And I understand there, there are reasons for divorce. You know, the three A's. Right? Abuse. Abandonment and adultery. I get that, right? But something's going on here, right? And then he gets to where a lot of us... Hey, don't be... I'll come back. You ain't that far back. Here. 
and I'll be off camera back there. <laughs> In verse 19, a lot of times we've taken the sermon from verse 19 on. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. I submit to you that the Pharisees knew who this rich man was. Even the Jewish... What's going on back there now? The Jewish rabbis even name him. Now, we don't have no biblical support for that, so we're not going to build a doctrine out of that. But this, this, this was someone, I guarantee you, that they had parties and their buddies, you know, they were all running together. He does not mention the rich man's name, but he mentions that he was dressed in purple. Now, if, John, if Pastor Jonathan got up here this morning, never mentioned my name, but said, we have the man that preaches in white. You know. You, are, are you following what I'm saying? So th this, this identified, and I believe the Pharisees got really offended now, because he names Lazarus, right? I believe this was, I believe, both, they, they probably went to the rich man's funeral, right, to pay their respects. And Jesus is now breaking this thing down. Now, this is where, this is where we're going into verse, or chapter 17. Follow this now. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Now, let me just throw, you, throw this in to you. Lazarus ends up going to heaven. But there's a problem why the rich man went to hell. Because all he's looking at is Lazarus, if that's the best your God can do. What kind of witness has the church been that we've been begging from the rich folk instead of being like Father Abraham, rich ourselves? Right? Right? Now watch this. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lived. And now see, now when he says in hell, them Pharisees are gnashing with their teeth. This is their buddy. I mean, they just, they just gave the eulogy. Told everybody how, how, how much good he did in the community. Those things which are esteemed highly among men are abomination with God. <laughs> right? And Jesus is calling it out. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. Now notice he doesn't say, Father Abraham, bring me some water. No, no, no. No, he, he knows Father Abraham rich. 
when he was rich, ain't got none of it now, couldn't carry none of it with him, right? But he still, see folks, this is the place where you change. He carries the same ugly spirit of greed and self-contentment into hell with him. He still views Lazarus the same way. See, you're not, they're not, they're not going to change when they get to hell, just like uh, uh, Pastor Bob was saying about uh, the hearts hardening, right? You would think he'd be crying out, hey, is there any way out of here? Where's the mercy of God at? Something. No, no, he ain't thinking that. Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received the good things and you didn't do nothing for Lazarus. And likewise, Lazarus evil things, but now he's comforted and you're tormented. Now religion will take that and say, See, we're just trudging through this weary land. But someday... When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. The streets of gold, the mansions, and so on and so forth. If God spared not his own son, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Come on, somebody. Religion's stupid. Religion kills people, drives them to suicide. I was raised in religion. At five years old, I ran to the altar and met Jesus and was thrust into religion. And for the next, until I was 14, going on 15, I, I, I was preaching and carrying my Bible to uh, school, started a church in sixth grade and, and uh, was just on fire for God, uh, but I was in a religious church. No Holy Ghost. No faith, no nothing, just traditional formality. And it drove me into 14 years of drug addiction and alcoholism. Locked up 20 times, looking at 21 years in the penitentiary. But God, in his mercy and his goodness. Hallelujah. You got your testimony like Pastor John was talking talking about. That testimony is powerful. Amen. Verse 26, and besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fix. Now remember the Pharisees are listening to this. They're listening to Jesus describe Abraham's bosom that because heaven was not accessible yet. So there was a, a place, Abraham's bosom, paradise, Jesus called it, right? And you could see over into hell. And hell obviously had some kind of recognition of Abraham's bosom. But there was a great gulf fix, just like you got the Gulf of Mexico out here. There's a great gulf fix between the two you couldn't pass through, right? But they're communicating, right? And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fix so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from there. Then he said, we'll do this. 
I pray thee, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. Still got that mentality that everybody works for you. Folks, you're looking at a rich man. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm rich. That ain't, a, that ain't a faith statement. God has made me rich. But I don't use my richness to control people, to dominate people. I use it to bless folk, to help folk. Come on, somebody. You keep everything in perspective. You cannot serve God and mammon, right? But you can serve God and have that money system serve you. He is, he is used money for self-service. Everybody else, you, you know, I just pay you to do this. I just pay you to do that. Right? Are you following this? Okay. We're getting some words. Stay with me. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from there. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said, you don't get it. You don't, you don't understand how this works. They have, remember I told you, remember the law and the prophets? Remember, Abraham said to them, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them just like Lazarus heard them. Just like everybody in Abraham's bosom heard them. Come on now. And he said no. You ain't, you ain't in a position when you inhale to be arguing with how the kingdom operates. And there are people that their lives are in hell and you ought not be arguing with the preacher man that's bringing you the truth and get offended when they're telling you quit borrowing Quit, quit that debt system. Get over into the tithes and offerings and the blessings of the Lord, the seed time and harvest, and start operating now the spiritual laws of the kingdom, and then you saying no. Hello? No, Father Abraham. But if one went unto them from the dead, Oh, yeah, yeah. You got it all figured out, ain't you? I'll tell you what, if one had come from the dead, I would have repented is what he's saying. They will repent, he said unto them. If they hear not Moses and the prophets, they ain't going to believe and be persuaded though one rose from the dead. Then... Then, now follow this. Then he said to his disciples, you catching this? It's impossible that offenses will come. Now listen, listen to me. Offenses will send you to hell. 
That's why Jesus kept saying, forgive, forgive. If they do it seven times, forgive. You don't, don't be playing with that. I, I, I like to say off end, offend, off end, off the end result, your manifestation, right? And then, then they say, Jesus, increase our faith. Now get back over there. And the Lord said in verse 6, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Now, the mustard seed, for sure, is one of the smallest seeds in uh, planting uh, the garden, so on and so forth. But recently, Pastor Chris uh, brought a truth to us about this mustard seed. The mustard seed is the only seed on the planet that cannot be cross-pollinated. The only seed that you cannot change the the you know, God said that he placed everything within the seed to make, make it of his own kind. You know, they got all kinds of varieties of tomatoes now, right? They do that through cross-pollination. Sometimes it happened uh, accidentally, and, some, and once, once it was discovered, now they, they, they mess with it, right? If you, if you plant uh, sweet peppers... Right beside your hot peppers, and then you go eat your sweet pepper, it's going to be a hot pepper because of cross-pollination. So what Jesus was saying, if you had faith and you don't let the world cross-pollinate it, you don't let anything come in and change what it was designed to do. If you have faith like that, you don't let fake news. You don't let those doubting relatives. You don't, you don't let religion come in and start to change the dynamics of that seed of faith. I've seen, I've seen people in my church. They, 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 they get a hold of faith. My goodness, they're, they're running with that thing, you know, and now they're tithing, sowing seed, and all of a sudden they hit a tribulation period. Right? And all of a sudden, some cross-pollination starts coming in. You know where a lot of cross-pollination comes from? Mainstream Christian television. You God's in control. He's a sovereign God, and you know, whatever he decides to do, he'll do it, and you're just going to have to live with it. No, no, no. No, no. God's a sovereign, all right. And he set up the kingdom by laws. And he abides by them. You're going to see this here in a minute. I'm setting you up. Look at your neighbor and say, we're being set up. So the mustard seed cannot be, Dr. Fisher, it cannot be cross-pollinated. 
Our faith is not to be cross-pollinated with fear. Doubt and unbelief. And the enemy tries to cross-pollinate our faith nonstop. And he says here, if you had faith that you did not let be cross-pollinated, you could say to the sycamine tree, be uprooted, not cast into the sea. Jesus said in Mark 11, whosoever shall say on this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea. Well, this is this different ballgame here. We're talking about transplanting from a natural place to a supernatural place and it be planted in the sea. Sycamine trees, they need fresh water, not salt water. They need ground to be planted in, not, not, not ocean. Could you imagine going over to somebody's oceanfront property and there's a tree out there about 100 yards, and you say, well, well that's my sycamine tree out there. What's Jesus saying? He's saying you can take things out of the natural and plant them in the supernatural. Good God Almighty. You can take money out of the natural and plant it into the supernatural. If you got faith, that's not being cross-pollinated. Somebody shout early. Come on now. You seeing this? <laughs> he says here, The Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say in the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, be thou planted seed, and it should obey you. It, not the sycamine tree, the mustard seed that has not been cross-pollinated, faith. Your faith will obey good God Almighty. Your faith is a servant, Pastor Kemp. Faith is a servant. That's what he's been talking about, coming all the way in there about the rich man wanting Lazarus to serve him and all this. You can't serve God, can't serve money, but let me show you. And they say, increase our faith. He said, let me show you a servant. Just don't let your servant become cross-pollinated. You got a bunch of cross-pollinated churches that are open right now. Well, they still closed a bunch of them. Some of you came out of that cross-pollinated church. Let me show you a cross-pollinated church. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he does it. Cross-pollinated. Come on now. Hallelujah. Should I stop? <laughs> Hallelujah. So it there is your faith, right? And he goes on to say, but which of you, here we go again, having a servant, 
Now, we know he's talking about supernatural servant, but he's using a natural analogy to show us how faith works. But which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle? Now, when it says plowing or feeding, we're two different locations. Plowing, you're out in the field. Feeding, you're back at the barn. Come on now. So we're in two different locations. Which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say in them by and by, when he's come from the field, go and sit down to meet? Which of you, what he's saying, when faith does what it's supposed to do out in the field, you was at Publix and you prayed for that sick person and they got healed. You were out in the field. Field ministry. Come on now. Christians use their faith more for other people because they don't know that other person and they can always say if something doesn't happen with that other person, they didn't have enough faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Right? But he says, which of you got your faith out there working in the field? When, it, when, when, when faith comes home, it, you set it down and don't use it for yourself. That's been the problem with Christians. We're out there, you know, winning the loss. We're out there, you know, laying hands on the sick, and rightly so. But you know what? When you got faith working in your house, nice house, big house. Me and Mama Alberta, Simon, Simon moved to heaven. Did y'all know Simon moved to heaven? Little Simon moved to heaven. Oh, <laughs> we live in a 5,500-square-foot home, three levels. The Andersons were just there. Y'all been there, right? 5,500, what, what? And Mama Alberta wants a bigger house, right? We have to talk to each other on cell phones in the house. I'm serious. She's on the third level. I'm on the bottom level, Right? Well, what's doing that? We got faith working out in the field, and we got faith working in our house. That's why God said, I don't want no novice out there teaching my folk. Get that thing working at your house. Come on, faith will put food on your table. Faith will put gas in your car. Faith will put clothes on you. It'll, it'll, yeah, it'll send your kids to school. Come on, faith will do that. If it's not cross-pollinated. <laughs> Hallelujah. You still with me? Which of you, verse 7, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, We'll say unto him by and by when he's come from the field, go and sit down and meet. And we'll not rather say unto him, Faith, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken. 
and afterwards I'll feed you. You know, you got to feed your faith. Afterwards, you got to feed your faith. Afterwards, you shall eat and drink. Does he think, you can start your watches now. <laughs> that nervous laugh in here. I'm serious. Only got one service. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? We don't worship faith. We worship the God of the faith. Does he thank that servant? Jesus said, I throw not or I think not. Now watch, we just got to our message. So likewise, ye, when you shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which is our duty to do. Look at this in the ICB translation. The ICB translation, please. I needed a drink of water anyway. You don't have it? I'll read it to you. It's the same with you. When you do everything you are told to do, you should say, we don't deserve any special thanks. We've only done the work we should do. In other words, we just applied the spiritual laws of the kingdom and those laws work, right? Are you following this? But notice how Jesus said, we have done that which was our, shout that word, duty. Now, I'm going to take you on a little journey here, all right? And Cincinnati plays at 3 o'clock, so understand. <laughs> See, I don't care about 3 o'clock. <laughs> uh, let's, 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 let's look at something here. This duty. We have done that which is our duty to do. Duty comes from the word do. Not D-O, not D-E-W. D-U-E. Now, doesn't the Bible say if we're not weary in well-doing, we shall reap in, in what? In due season. Now, now follow this because I'm going to show you something about we all have a duty. I was in the military. Active duty. Active duty is different from inactive duty. Active duty, you get more money. Got any military folk in here? 
right? Ex-military, whatever, whatever, yeah, right? Active duty, you get more money than inactive. Hello. And uh, we got a lot of Christians that are on leave. AWOL, absence without leave. But I believe I got some active duty people in here. Now watch, active duty means we have to remain in action in due time. When your due time has arrived, it requires action. Remember uh, Jesus teaching in Mark chapter 4, so is the kingdom of God if, as if a man should cast seed in the ground and sleep and rise night and day and sleep. And, and the seed should spring forth, he knoweth not how. First the blade, then the ear. After that, the corn in the ear. And then here comes the man back. The earth brings forth fruit of herself. Right? It's God that gives the increase. But then here comes, it's a requirement of man to recognize it's harvest time and to put in the sickle. Active duty. Come on, somebody. 2022 is a year of the turnaround. Many that have been last are going to be first. Many come from behind victories, but it's not just going to drop in our lap because we're, we're cute. It's going to require constant action. See, we have done that which is our duty to do. When... Uh, I come in uh, from uh, Hawaii. We, I was in the military, and we went over to do a TDY to fix an airplane over there, five days over there. Uh, a C-5 had broke down, landing gear. We went over there, swapped it out. And uh, so when I got back, off of those TDYs, you're, you're uh, guaranteed five days off. And so I'm looking forward five days off of my girlfriend. Done got everything planned, everything. Get off the airplane, my sergeant meets me. He said, Philip, I uh, need your help. I said, what do you mean? I got five days off. He said, no, 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 you ain't got no days off. Matter of fact, you're going on seven days a week, 12-hour shifts. I said, what? Come on, Sarge. He said, got to do it, man. We had a C-5 crash while you were in, in Hawaii, and it was a training uh, flight. And they were goofing off in there, and they didn't put the landing gear down. C-5, biggest airplane in the world. And they were doing touch and goes. Well, they touched, but they didn't go. And they're trying to keep this from the media. They're trying to keep this from anybody finding out about it. How do you hide a C-5? Right? And so, duty came first. Duty came first. The mission required it. If there's one thing, I was raised in a military family. If there's one thing I understood was mission comes first. Even, even as a heathen, I recognized that. I said, okay, let's, let's, let's do this thing, right? Well, I'm telling you. 
It's due time. It's due time. It's due season. Come on. And we got to do that which is our duty to do. Now, let me, let, me, let me support that a little bit. Go over here uh, to Colossians. In chapter 4, Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 4. Let's put our eyes on verse 1. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Wait a minute. This is very profound. God is saying... Those of you that employ, those of you that have employees, you treat them properly because of how I operate as an employer. Now, now, now follow this. Follow this. Uh, do you have that uh, in the other translation? All right, put it up here. Look in the Phillips. Remember then, you employers that your responsibilities be fair and just towards those whom you employ, never forgetting that you yourselves have a heavenly employer. Now, I'm about, we're, we're about to kick this sacred cow big time, but I, I want to prepare you for it because you've probably said it, preached it. I'm sure if you went back in my old tapes, You'd find me saying it because it just sounds right. God doesn't owe us anything. We owe him everything. You see, some of you, some of you you're scared to aim in that. And it's a good thing you didn't. God doesn't owe us anything, and we owe him everything. Y'all say mine, Brother Philip. Y'all say mine. Sounds real good. But I'm going to show you something about your God. I'm going to show you something about your God. I mentioned that he was a covenant God, and it's more than you dropping something in a bucket and going to your mailbox and getting a check. Come on now. God is an employer. Jesus said, didn't you know I should be about my father's business? Right? This is a, the kingdom is business. It's not for the lazy. It's not for the pure warmer that punches the religious clock. This is for active duty people that are living by faith. 
not letting their faith be cross-pollinated, uncompromised, recognizing its due time to put the sickle in. See, me and uh, Mama Alberta, we started off this year, and uh, we just went we just went wild sowing. Well, that's because you can. Yeah, the, the reason we can is because we've always have. Except now it's a whole lot, whole, whole lot more money. And I ain't gonna tell you how much money because some of you choke if I if I told you how much. See, but we know how to put the sickle in when it's time. Now, you, you, you better catch this because do, D-U-E, God, oh, Jesus, help me, Lord, I'm about to lose me. No, God don't owe nobody nothing. Prove me now here with, saith the Lord, if I'll not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there's not room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer. It's impossible for a covenant God. If you're a tither, that you bring your tithes in faithfully, God is obligated. Look up the definition of O. It's obligated. Otherwise, you're just hoping God's going to rain down a little drop of mercy on you, you know, to survive. And you'll be a faithful tither, you know, just... You know, I love the I love God and I love the church and the church is is where I get, you know, any kind of joy at all. And I'll bring my tithe in there. And you see you got cross pollinated faith. God said, Those that leave lands and houses for the gospel's sake shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. God owes me. Hey! God owes me. And if he tells me to owe no man anything, then he's going to make sure before I leave this planet that everything that I've sown for, he has paid up in full. Shout. Some of your minds are still trying to process this. God's the one set it up. Okay, let me let me throw more at you. Go over here to let me find it here. 
Mm-mm-mm. Where is that, Lord? Yeah, Ezekiel. I'm collecting. See, your whole perspective will change if you, see, if you just think, okay, come on, God. <laughs> come on now. But if you position yourself unoffended, without faith being cross-pollinated, Come on now, because you can short circuit. God, understanding covenant, understanding covenant. He's the one to come up with this. Understanding covenant, that if I do this, he said, I'll do that. So when I do this, he owes it to me as a covenant father to do what he said he would do. He said, without faith, without cross-pollinated faith, or without faith that's been cross-pollinated, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, now, now watch this, watch this. I've, I've preached it here before. God woke me up 2 o'clock in the morning with an audible voice when everything was screaming, our finances we didn't have food in the house, no gas in the car, zero, had nothing. But we had given our farm and all the money we had, working overseas, making all that money. We'd given it all away, sowed it, and here we are strapped. And he wakes me up. You must believe that I'm a rewarder of them that diligently seek me. So if I seek him diligently, not Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, January, February, March, and December, he says I'll reward that. So I'm a diligently seeking, God, uh, uh, seeking person of God. So he owes me. Look at this word reward in the Strong's. Look at, look, put it up on the screen, guys. Up on the screen. This is the word misopodotis. Now it's a compound word from 3409 and 591, right? You see that? It's two words that make up this one word. 
a remunerator, a rewarder. Now let's look at 3409. Misto from 3408 to let out for wages, to hire. Go to 3408, pay for service, hire, reward wages. Now the 591, to give away, repayment, be made, recompense, reward. So no matter what you want to do, when he's a rewarder, he says, I got pay. I got pay. I will pay those. August 1996, God takes me to heaven. The only time I've been there, I'm going back, though. He said many things to me in that trip. But he said, I want you to go look at the 11th hour worker. I've taught it here. I've taught it here. Don't have time to get into it, but let me just refresh you. A husbandman went out to get laborers for his field. And his first hour workers came and they agreed with him for a full day's wage. And they went to work. Third hour, sixth hour, and ninth hour went out there. And he asked them to go work. And his, his hiring line was, I'll give you whatsoever is right. He never, ever said, I'll give you a penny. The first hour workers were so trapped in the world system that they limited God to just how the world system operated. The third hour, sixth hour, ninth hour, it says, and they went their way. They didn't go to the field. Because when you see the payday, it's just the first hour and the 11th hour. But then he goes to the 11th hour. Ain't but one hour left. And they still standing. I said, they still standing. When it doesn't look like nothing's happened in their life, looks like everyone else is getting everything, they still standing. Some of you look like everybody else getting blessed. You've seen people walk away. You've seen people leave the church. You've seen people just fall out. But here you are, you're still standing. I got good news for you. Whatsoever is right. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost in him. God's about to get you right. Everything gonna be all right. God's gonna make it all right. You about to get some active pay. The whole time they're standing, Dr. Kathy, they're working. They're working. The whole time they're standing there, they're working. Not physically, spiritually. Why do you sit there all the way up to the 11th hour? Believing. Believing. No, he gonna come to us. He gonna come to us. Bless God. Mm -mm. 
I shall not be moved. He comes to him, gives him the same line. I'll give you whatsoever is right. Now, I don't know you city folk know much about farming. You seen on TV. I see all what, what, what's, what's all these Floridians doing with these pickup trucks? I come out of the restaurant yesterday, all these pickup trucks. Look in the back of them, they're all clean like they come off the showroom floor. Our pickup trucks, you got to know how to open up the tailgate because it's been banged so much. <laughs> oh, glory be to God. But I worked plenty of fields growing up. In the 11th hour, all you're doing is bringing the wagons in. You're not out there chopping it down. You're not out there gathering it up. It's already loaded. You're just getting it into the barn. Anybody, anybody here qualify to just go bring the harvest into the barn. Come on. And when it come pay time, the 11th hour for one hour's work, got a whole full day's pay. A one-hour worker said, hey, they thought they going to get more. But he gave them a penny. They said, well, what's up with that? We bore the heat of the day. You limited me. You set the agreement. Come on, somebody. Is anybody hearing this? So our God is an employer. Ezekiel 29, and he owes us. If you're a tither, if you're an offering giver, if you're a vower, if you're a partner, if you give in to missions, every time there's a special offering, you're involved in it. I got good news for you. God owes you, and he's ready to write the check. Hallelujah. Why do you think you get frustrated when you ain't seeing nothing? Because you know of what you did. You know what you did, your duty. But when you understand how the system works, right now while I'm right now while I'm preaching, somebody is sending me money. God is sending me money via somebody. And me and Mom Alberta, we've had a super January. Yeah. 
I would dare say, the greatest January we've ever had. And it takes a lot. We, we, you know, we got a rental car. We asked for a premium SUV. They gave us this yacht out here. This big old suburban, right? Little Alberta in that front seat. I got to look all the way back like we're driving a bus or something. I told her, I said, baby, this is prophetic. You better get ready. Oversized load coming. Oversized load coming. You're going to need a bigger vehicle. You're going to need a bigger. You're going to need a bigger bank account. You're going to need a bigger garage. You're going to need a bigger closet. You're going to need a bigger whatever. Somebody shout. <laughs> Mama Alberta said, let's just take this back and get something smaller. I said, no, I'm going to drive this thing. That thing hard pull in a parking spot. <laughs> Are you in Ezekiel 29? <laughs> oh my goodness. Look at verse 17. And it came to pass in the seventh and twentieth year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, Nebuchadnezzar, that heathen, that king of Babylon, caused his army to serve a great service against Tyrus. Every head was made bald and every shoulder was peeled. Yet he had no wages, nor his army for Tyrus, for the service that he had served against it. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, even though he's a heathen, behold, I'll give the land of Egypt unto Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall take her multitude and take her spoil and take her prey, and it shall be wages for his army. I have given him the land of Egypt for his labor wherewith he served against us because they were working for me. Because they were working for me, saith the Lord. Now, if God will pay the heathen, I said if God will pay the heathen that have cross-pollinated, anybody see this? How much more will he pay us what's due? Go, go to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 10. I'm going to find a way to close this here in a minute. It ain't got nothing to do with Cincinnati.
Leviticus 10, are you there? Put our eyes on verse 12. And Moses spake unto Aaron and unto Eleazar and unto Ithamar, his sons that were left, Take the meat offering that remains of the offerings of the Lord made by fire and eat it without leaven besides the altar for it's most holy. And you shall eat it in the holy place because it is thy... What? Shout that word. Because I owe you. Because you're working for me. Is anybody seeing this? <laughs> Deuteronomy 18. <laughs> Deuteronomy 18. Look at this. Verse 1. The priests, the Levites. How many of you know we're a royal priesthood? We're made priests and kings. The priests, the Levites, and all the tribe of Levi shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire and his inheritance. Therefore, they shall have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance, as he said unto them. And this shall be the priests do from the people. Romans chapter 13. We're closing. I just had this little message to bring to you. <laughs> it is. It's a lot in there. Romans 13. Are you there? It goes on to say in verse 1, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. It's not talking about every leader in the world God ordained. He's coming out of chapter 12 when he's talking about how the different gifts operate within the body of Christ. He hasn't changed subjects. When we get to chapter 13, most of the body of Christ has missed this, so they're sitting there praying for a wicked leader that's made a covenant with death and is in agreement with hell and ain't never going to change. This is the higher powers that be in the church. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained to God. Whosoever therefore resists the power, resists the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers, you look it up in Hebrews 13, uh, it's talking about those that have rule over you in the church. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Will you then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and you shall have praise of the same, for he is the minister of God. And this ain't talking about policemen. Somehow we squeeze policemen in there. Ain't nothing to do with policemen. I used to snort cocaine with policemen. Smoke dope with policemen. 
get drunk with policemen. He still locked me up. For he is a minister of God to thee for good, but if you do that which is evil, be afraid, for he bears not the sword, the word of God, in vain, for he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, because of that, you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for your conscience' sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute, temple tax, tithe, offerings, that's what that is, you, you, you search that out. For, for, for this cause, not taxes that the policemen are getting paid by. I've heard preachers talk about. For for this cause, pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending and continuing upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man any thing. Oh, no man anything. I'm going I'm to uh, close here in John chapter 4. God called me years ago to walk away from a very lucrative job dealing drugs <laughs> and I started studying law you find out when you behind those prison bars, what the law says. When we got saved under Robert Tilton Ministries, when we got saved, I was just totally, whatever you want me to do, God. Whatever you want me to do. She was the same way. We didn't have to talk each other into it. When, when the Lord said, I'll take everything, the farm, everything. Give it to me. Come follow me. Everyone thought we had lost our minds, thought we were in a cult. We're sending people out there to try to minister to me, religious folk, cross-pollinated. And we're listening to Pastor Bob Monday through Friday. An hour program. And by the way, WFBN.TV. You might want to write that down. WFBN.TV is up and running. Your pastors are on it. We're on it. Pastor Bob's on it. I think the Fishers are, are, are praying about going on it. And uh, uh, you can uh, get some good Christian teaching right there. Right? So... Uh, God, what do you want me to do? And 
he sends me to the streets of Lexington to preach. Out on the streets. Downtown Lexington. Rough. Rough crowd. And uh, we don't have any income at all. Don't have no partners. Don't have no kind of uh, investments on the side, business running on the side. Zero. No streams coming in. But, and that, and, and that is when God would say, you must believe that I'm a rewarder of them that diligently seek. So I'm out there preaching the streets. Gas money just to get from, we're, we're living two counties away, to get to, get to uh, preaching those streets where God said, go preach. And I'm winning people to the Lord. I'm casting out devils. I'm laying hands on the sick. They're recovering. People are coming to church. We're, 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 we had a big old blue uh, station wagon, the kind that had uh, four rows Four rows, one, two, three, and the back seat flipped up and you four. Man, we loading that thing up, making three trips, bringing them into the church. Right? And the deacons didn't like that. They didn't like that kind. But the pastor did. The pastor did. Did I ever tell you about Willard? Oh, huh? Willard. Willard. Willard was in a, uh, the, uh, one of these mental institution halfway houses. And what they would do is they would kick him out of the house in the morning and they'd wander the streets until evening time and then they would come back in. Right? So... Uh, I'm out on the streets uh, preaching, and here comes one of the Willards in heaven. He looked like a, a, a Frankenstein, a monster. His face uh, was just, I mean, I, we saw little kids run from him. He scared them, right? And he's walking down the street at me, and the Lord said, you see him? I said, I see him, but what are we doing here? He said, tell them about me. So I walked up to him, and he was, he was surprised that anybody would even talk to him. And uh, uh, I, I asked him, you know, conversation back and forth. And then finally, I said, you want to, after telling him about Jesus, he said, you, you think Jesus could do anything with me? I said, sure he can. He said, uh, I said, you want to you receive Jesus? He said, yeah. He said, but let's go behind this bush over here. I said, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know why he got in that same asylum and did he kill a few, few folk or what? This might be the Bushman, you know. I went, I went behind there, led Willard to the Lord, took him to church, and... You talk about deacons going crazy. But the guy 
he ran with, they went out and bought him some jeans. Got him a new pair of tennis shoes, new shirt, right? And, and we started picking him up at the halfway house, got him filled with the Holy Ghost. Then, then he was coming down to the Alpha house. He was coming down to the Alpha house for the Bible study. Somebody would pick him up, right? And they'd let him stay at, at, at their house because once, you, once you're out, you can't get back in, right? So they'd stay at their house. He became, he became part of us, right? So I come in. I come into church on a Sunday morning. The pastor comes up to me and says, Philip. I said, what? He said, go get Willard. I said, what's he doing? He, he's out there begging for money in the foyer. Now, we were in a church of 1,000 people, had a big foyer. I, 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 I went out there around the corner, and I see who he's hitting up. One of the deacons. I thought to myself, well, one more ain't going to hurt. <laughs> that old man, you know, that old man. And sure enough, that deacon reaching in his pocket, right? And after he left, I, I went up to him and said, Willard, what you doing? He said, Philip, they're so easy. I said, how much money you got? We got a tithe out of that now. <laughs> so all of a sudden, Willard don't show up. Anybody seen Willard? Well, we went by to pick him up. No, no Willard. A month went by, and the Lord says, you need to go check on Willard. True story. I drove over to that house, and it looked like a haunted house. I mean, it just looks like a haunted house. Not, I'm not exaggerating. Alberta was there. No, she wasn't there. She was in the car with, with the doors locked, <laughs> praying in tongues. I go up to the door. I go up the door, knock on it. <laughs> Nobody there. I've not been given the spirit of fear, but love, power, and sound mind. I haven't told y'all this story. Oh, man, this is the Willard story. So I walk, I walk in there, and, and, and I'm telling you, they come out from everywhere looking at you. What are you on? What are you on? What are you here? What are you here? I'm like, man, who's in charge around here, you know? I said, I'm looking for Willard. Man, no Willard, no Willard, no Willard. So I just keep on walking through there, walk through the kitchen, and they have a backyard fenced in, high-fenced backyard, and then I see the leader of the pack. He's out there playing cards with these people, taking all their state money from them. Got a big cigar in his mouth, and I walk out there, rough-looking, tough guy, right? And I walk out there, and uh, I walk up to him, and I said, Hey, I'm, I'm looking for Willard. Willard ain't here. I said, Yeah, he's here, and I, and I ain't leaving without him. Ain't no Willard live here. I said, there's a Willard here. And I ain't leaving without Willard. Who are you? I told him, you know. He don't want to go to church. I said, where is he? He's in the bedroom. Oh, brother. Now I got to go to the second level. 
true story, Robert. You should have been there. I walked up there. I walked up there. Opened up. Opened up the first. Uh, Cause they ain't opening no. Opened up the first bedroom door. Can't describe what I saw. Second door can't describe. Third door. There's Willard, and he is drugged up. And I and I got on his his makeshift bed, slapping his face, Willard, and he said, Philip, they won't let me leave. They won't let me leave. I said, Come on, we're getting you out of there. I don't know how I got him down the stairs. I don't know how I got him out of that house. But we got him out. He never went back. The core group took care of him, and he died like two months later, moved on to heaven, right? Come on, somebody. But I'm still broke. I'm doing all that, and I ain't got no money. And I found this in John 4. Come on now. John 4, are you there? Verse 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months, then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Now watch out. He that reapeth receives wages. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Lord, I've been doing a whole lot of reaping. Ain't got no wages. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I'm a good employer. I am. I got, uh, I don't know, eight or ten people on staff, right? I'm a good employer. I just am. And they keep sticking around. They're going to really be happy with their boss. Now, if I'm that way, how come I'm that way and not a Scrooge? That's the divine nature. And I found this. Wait a minute. Come here, God. Come here, God. Your word says, if I reap, that there's pay for that. Things started shifting. Things started shifting. It was more than understanding the laws of seed time and harvest and the law of faith. I began to understand through a personal relationship with Father God that He is paying me. He is paying me to work for Him. That's why it don't make no difference what the church pays me. Because there were months birthing that ministry where me and that woman didn't get no paycheck. And if we got one, it'd barely do anything. But God was paying us the whole time because, listen to me, because he owed it to us. So that whole sacred cow, God don't owe us nothing, and we, we owe him everything, don't fly. It don't fly. You get anything out of that today? Come on, give God praise. 
your due time. I said it's your due time. Hallelujah. See, and if you'll get bold enough in your righteous new created self to say to God, God, you owe me. He ain't going to be intimidated. That's not dishonoring him. That's not, that's not uh, you know, uh, putting something uh, down uh, in, in, in disrespect. He loves it. He loves it. He said, put a demand on me. He says it all the time. That word ask, demand. And I'm here to tell you, 2022, God's ready to pay up all accounts payable. Hallelujah. It's your due time. It's your due season. And it's time for your active duty pay. Hallelujah. 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 I'm just going to uh, let that marinate because something shifted in me when I realized God owes me versus I'm working spiritual laws. Am I doing these laws right? Am I am I am I am I am I uh, positioned right? Am I am I am I? Well, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa! God owes me. How many people go to heaven? And how much did they leave on the table? So I got that table prepared before you. Amen. I believe there's a whole bunch of you in here that have positioned yourself through tithes, offerings, gifts of love. Vows, partnerships, missions, giving, special offerings, whatever, 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 right? And it's time for your active duty pay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Pastor Jonathan, I don't have any more direction. Than that, I'm not going to try to make direction when I don't have direction, and uh, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just say this and sit down. Do not let your faith be cross-pollinated with all the gimmicks that that world has to offer. Amen. Give Jesus praise. <laughs>